Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. All right, well, if you have a Bible or if you have a phone that has a Bible on it, you can open up your Bible app or turn in your Bible book to the book of Exodus, chapter 24, verse 1. And if you have neither of those, then the verse will be behind me on the screen. Again, we are in a sermon series called Into the Cloud. Into the Cloud. Then the Lord said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and a 70 of the elders of Israel, Aaron is Moses' brother. You know Moses from the Ten Commandments and all the amazing movies that were done about him. Nadab and Abihu are Aaron's children and the seven adult children and the 70 of the elders of Israel are the leaders of the church, are the church leaders. But the rest of you are to worship at a distance. But Moses alone, someone say Moses alone, alone. is to approach the Lord. The others must not come near And the people, someone say people, People. may not come up with him. Then Moses went higher, someone say higher, Higher. up the mountain and into the If you're reading this story, you see two big distinctions. A distinction between the people in the crowd and the person in the cloud. The title of today's message is from the crowd to the cloud, from the crowd to the cloud. How many people know life has levels? Life has levels, levels of living, levels of experiences. I found this out the very first time I flew first class. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you ever flew first class because you will instantly be judged as bougie. (laughs) And I don't think that that's true about you because I don't know you like you don't know me. I didn't pay for this first class ticket. I was traveling with a friend who had some extra miles on his traveler loyalty program. And he said, would you like to fly first class with me? And I said, sure, why not? I mean, I'm going to be on the plane anyway. So we got into the first class. It was my very first experience in first class. And a couple things stuck out right away to me. The first was the amount of legroom. I mean, you could play soccer in first class. It's big. The other thing was the seat reclined, like most do, but it reclined a little bit further than the, nor- than the normal recliner. Like, I don't know if it was five degrees more or 10 degrees more, but those degrees made a difference, big difference. The other thing I noticed was the attendant. She was standing there and she did not move. And I didn't know, I thought I was in trouble. Like she could tell you don't belong. <laughs> Waiting for me to do something unfirst class like. Then I was going to be deported from first class because I did something unfirst class like. But no, no, no. She was the attendant who was committed to the first class passengers alone. I don't know if you know this, but in first class, there is an attendant who is committed to the first class alone. Whether there's one person or five people, that person is there to serve you. I thought that was pretty cool because they came up to me. 
And they said, sir, what would you like to eat? And almost like a reflex, like I said, peanuts. <laughs> like a reflex. Because every time I've ever been on a plane, I only had three choices. Peanuts, chips, or pretzels. So all I was asked, so, so this, it's peanuts. She smiled, she laughed, she said, no, sir. What would you like to eat? And the way she said it made me believe that there was more on that plane than peanuts, pretzels, and chips. She showed me a menu. There was steak on that plane. Pasta carbonara on that plane. There was fish on that plane, which I'm not messing with fish on a plane. Fish are made for the sea. I'm not eating that in the air. That's just a whole something. I don't know. I don't trust it. So I ordered my steak, and, I th and then I thought, this is an amazing. And then the last thing that really hit me was looking back at the rest of y'all. Okay. And it was crazy to me because it was the same plane uh, with the same pilot on the same airline, but a completely different experience. And what's even crazier than that is I would never, I have never flown first class since then, even though it was awesome. You know why? Because yeah. I'm not willing to pay for what first class costs. Here's my point. You could be in the same church, listening to the same pastor, preach out of the same Bible about the same God and have a completely different experience based on what you are willing or not willing to pay. Hear me today, uh, I, I really wrestled with this message because I know for a fact that this is not a message that most people want to hear because I try to preach messages that most people want to hear. That's why I do series like Love, Sex, and Marriage because everybody's trying to find their boo. Everybody's trying to bring the spark back to their marriage. I, I get those things. So I, I never want you to come to church and be like, that wasn't for me. And I really wrestled with this, Lord, are you sure you want me to preach this message? Because I know people don't want to hear it. And you know how I know people don't want to hear it? Because as amazing as first class is, there's always more seats in the back of the plane than there are in the front. More people rather just get there. More people rather just serve than, than they don't really care about the... But I want to tell you a truth today there is a greater level of experience in the Christian walk than you're experiencing right now. I'm going to take you, even if you don't go to church, there is a greater level of life for you that you're living right now. But if you want to experience the greatest level of life available to you, hear me, you can't sit where everyone else is sitting. And you can't pay what everyone else is paying. If you want more out of this life, you're going to have to pull yourself out of the crowd and go into the cloud. We got to be careful. Listen, I'm all about the crowd. The crowd it can be very beneficial for us at different settings and stages and circumstances of our life. But we have to be careful because the world today, the influence of the crowd has been amplified by the invention of the internet. The internet really has taken the voice of the crowd to the next level. And not in a bad way. 
For example, we have things like crowdfunding. If you're not familiar with websites like Kickstarter, if you've got a creative idea, an album, a book, a magazine, an invention, you can put your idea out there and the crowd will come together to support your project and actually fund its development. That's a good thing. I'm very grateful for crowdsourcing. Yeah, if it wasn't for Wikipedia, I would not have graduated college. And so thank you, Wikipedia. By the way, if you didn't know how Wikipedia works, there's no Mrpedia out there. It is a crowd of people who are inputting information and sharing information. Everybody is doing the work and that's really, really good and really, really helpful. It serves us. I don't go to a restaurant that I have not yelped first. I don't buy something that I have not checked the Amazon reviews first. I don't watch a movie if I have not watched its ratings first. The crowd can be very helpful at certain points in our life. I call it the principle of the longest line. And I get that from it's like a little hack I gave my wife when we went to New York City. And I told her, I said, you got to try a New York City hot dog, like, but not from like the places, but from the street, which was new for her because she wouldn't grow up in New York. She was like, well, I'll buy food from the street out here. I'm like, yeah. So she saw four different hot dog stands on each corner. She said, which one is the good one? How do you know which one is the good one? I said, you don't. But the New Yorkers do. You got to find the hot dog stand with the longest line. Because they know something you and I don't. They know that homeboy over there isn't even serving room eats. And this guy's bread is often stale. And, and they know. So this one right here, go. I said, babe, we're going to eat where the longest line is. There were three hot dog stands open. I said, we're waiting on this one right here. I had 10 people. We'll, we'll, we'll wait. But sometimes, listen to me, the principle of the longest line can backfire. Sometimes you can wait on a long line and it actually costs you more than you get back from it. Sometimes the crowd is not going. Let me just share this with you. A true story gets pretty embarrassing, but my wife and I, we're, we're Disney-like people. I don't know if you call us aficionados or anything like that, but we're, Disney, we're a Disney family. We go and um, we enjoy it. One time we came back from a fireworks show and there was a crazy long line to get on the tram. If you're not in Florida or Magic Kingdom, it's a whole situation. To get to the park, you got to park your car, get on a tram, take this tram. Is it a tram? Monorail. Monorail. Get on the monorail. It's a whole thing. And when you leave, everybody's got to get on this one monorail. It's a long line trying to leave the park. And I go, this is terrible. The other, time, the other day after that, we went with our family. Family members don't go to Disney often. And, we, and I was kind of showing off my Disney, you know, knowledge. And I was like, let's go here for this spot. Let's go here for that spot. This is good. When it came time to leave, I was like, all right, let's go. And I saw a big, long line. Well, I'm the Disney guy. So everybody's following me. They don't know where to go. So I said, this is the way. This is obviously all these people know where they're going. So we got on this line. I went on this line for five minutes. It's a long line out of the park. And then after five minutes, my wife goes, what are we doing here? I go, we're getting on the tram. This is the monorail. This is the train. This is the line for the monorail. She goes, no, it's not. I go, yes, it is. I look over again. It was the line to get into the park we had just left. <laughs> At that point, I was like, gotcha. Let's all go to the... And we got on the monorail and we left. This is why, listen, this is the better question. Don't ask the question, where are the most people going? You might get on the wrong line. Ask yourself this question. Do I want to go where most people are going? 
that will determine if you should follow the crowd or not. And can I tell you where most people are going? Here are where most people are going. The average household in the United States is $150,000 in debt. That either makes you feel really bad or really good. The average lifespan of a marriage is eight years in the United States. Somebody is at year eight right now, like we are going to that series next month. <laughs> we will not become a statistic. Eight years. 68% of adults in the United States are obese. One in every five Americans has a sexually transmitted infection or disease. One in five. If you're a teenager in this room today, do you know what the leading cause of death among 13-year-olds is? Suicide. And 40 million adults have been clinically diagnosed with anxiety every year, and the number continues to grow, and the depression numbers are not far off. Here's what I want you to write down if you're taking notes. If you're going to live like everyone else does, then expect the life everyone else has. You want to follow the crowd? Cool. But do you want to go where they're going? Because the crowd isn't always correct. I think this is, for a lot of us, our arguments for being on social media. Like, I'm here because everyone's here. But just because everyone's here doesn't mean it's healthy for you to be here. Are you, listen, you don't have to be on Instagram. <gasps> you don't have to be on TikTok. <gasps> you don't have to be on Facebook. <gasps> and this isn't an anti-social media rant. Facebook and Instagram and social media is a tool, like any tool, it can be used and abused. The question is, or what the statement is rather, don't determine the validity of something just because everyone else is doing it. Is it good for you, is the question. That's what you have to answer. If you want to break away from the crowd and live your own life and, and head the direction you want to go, listen, you can't accept the crowd's moral standards as your moral standards. Majority wins, but majority doesn't determine right or wrong. A ballot does not determine right or wrong. A Bible determines right or wrong. I can't give it to the majority. That's not, I'm not going to follow the crowd. If you want to break away from, go, from the direction that the crowd is going, you can't let the crowd determine your work schedules. Who said that a 40-hour work week is what a work week should be? Some might be able to work more. Some might need to work less because that's too much for you. But if I don't work 40, well that, cause why? Because that's what the crowd says? Don't let the crowd determine your destiny. The American dream does not have to be your dream. You can break away from the crowd. And there's a word for that. When you choose to break away from the crowd, what everyone else is doing and where everyone else is going, and you choose to walk into the cloud, there's a word for that, and it's in your Bible. You've heard it a bunch of times, but today you're going to learn what it actually means. The word for breaking away from the crowd and going into the cloud is holiness. I didn't expect a lot of amens. <laughs> Somebody is thinking this was not the Sunday to invite my friend who doesn't go to church. And, and I just want you to know, listen, there are two types of people in this room today. There are those who are new to the faith, who have a certain idea of what holiness is, or they think they do. And then there are those who are familiar with the faith, who think that they have an idea of what holiness is. And I just wanna let you know, you're both probably wrong. So I wanna teach you today. I wanna to teach you today what holiness is. For those who are new to the faith, you're just getting started on this journey, maybe you haven't even made the decision yet, but you hear the word holiness, and you're like, nah, I don't want that. I don't wanna be wearing robes and like, you know. I don't know what your idea is, but can I just tell you this? Holiness, listen, is not perfection. 
is not about perfection, it's about pursuit. To say be holy would be like saying get healthy. You never stop getting healthy, just like you never stop being holy. It's a progression, it's a pursuit. I know a lot of people who will not go into the gym because they see other people who look fit and look who big. And they, and they think that those people are going to look down on them because they're in a better position or state than, than, than these. And I just want to let you know, I want to speak on behalf of all of the big muscular dudes at the gym that I've met. None of them have made fun of me, at least to my face. <laughs> Every single diesel dude that I have come up to, by the way, I'm not ashamed of that. You know, like this sounds bad, but I'll be checking guys out at the gym. Like, how do I get biceps like that? How do I get triceps like that? And never, ever, 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 ever has any of them been like, scrawny little man. Scrawny little man at gym asks silly question. <laughs> no. Every single one of them has encouraged me has given me tips, has given me tricks, has given me form, cues. You know why? Because they were where I am. I hope you don't feel that way when you come to church. I hope when you come to church and you see me quoting Bible verses and, pre and you see this person jumping and you see the next person to you crying, and you're just like. <laughs> I don't know if I can be here because I'm not that. Can I tell you, nobody is looking at you and secretly judging. Nobody is looking at you and secretly laughing because you don't experience God like they do. If you were to have a conversation with them, here's what they would tell you. I was where you were. And can I just clap my hands for you because you came anyway, because it's a process and you are willing to commit to the process, even though it doesn't all make sense right now. And even though some of the things are confusing, way to go. You came to church. It's not perfection. It's pursuit. It's pursuit. Now, let me speak to those who grew up in church, who are familiar with the faith, who've been doing this for some time now. Here's what you need to know. Holiness is not about what's on your body, but about what's in your heart. For a long time, I grew up in a, in a Pentecostal church. I hope that doesn't scare you. But I grew up in a church where, if you know anything about the Pentecostal movement, it came out of the holiness movement. The holiness movement was a, a sect of Christianity that said, we've got to look different. So the women were not allowed to wear earrings. The men were not allowed to wear certain things. Guys had to sit on one side of the church. Girls had to sit on the other. It was all outward. And I remember one time, my cousin, who did not go to church, came with me to my church. It took me months to invite him to get him to come and he came and he enjoyed it and after church he sat down he was a percussionist so he sat down by the uh, the conga and he started to play the conga and in came you know the usher which if you grew up in church is aka church police <laughs> and the usher came god bless him he didn't he didn't know what he was doing he's just doing his best right he was taught holiness was one thing and he was wrong my cousin had a hat on and you're not supposed to have hats on in church so, so the usher came and he said, he said uh, you're going to have to take that hat off. Just like that. And my cousin, he's from the hood. So my cousin really didn't know how to respond. So he, he maybe wasn't the best way. He just looked at the guy and he said, dum, 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 dum. <laughs> he just went, back. just went back to his thing. The guy said again with a stronger tone, he said, you need to take that hat off. You're in church. Have some respect for the house of God. My cousin looked at him again. Doom, 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 doom. The guy stretches out his hand, pulls the hat off his head. My cousin got a, I was, I'm 12 years old, and the first fight I ever had to break up was in church. <laughs> I was like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, oh, the God, Jesus. Because the usher thought 
that holiness was something that you wear. But holiness is not what you have on the outside. Holiness is about what's going on in the inside. I know some people who dress real good that live real bad. It's not about your appearance. It's about who you are. And listen, that's not something that we invented. That was all the way back in church, like historical times. Like, do you know what the symbol for holiness was in the Jewish culture even back then? Circumcision. Circumcision was supposed to be the outward evidence that you're different than everyone else, that you're holy, that you're special, that you're... But here's my question. How did people even know if you were circumcised? I thought about, I read the Bible sometimes and they'd be like, this person wasn't circumcised. This person. I'm like, how do you know? Do we got the circumcision cops? They got the wand, like beep, 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 uh-uh, no, uh-uh. Jewish people missed the point. Circumcision is outward, but how come, how come I couldn't make the mark on my hand? Why wouldn't that have served as the sign of holiness? Or make a mark on my forehead? God told them to make a mark in his private parts. Why? Because it's something that only you and God should have between each other. In other words, stop showing off your holiness to other people. Flashing people with your level of moral superiority. Whatever you think you're accomplishing, you're not. Well, I have never touched alcohol in my life. My lips have never tasted the bottom of a bottle ever. And other people were like, who asked you? <laughs> Keep it in your pants. Whatever level of holiness you got on with the Lord, keep it between you. Well, I would never watch a rated R movie, ever. Would never allow that filth into my home. Who asked you? Whatever level of holiness you got with God, you're supposed to keep that between you and God. People are supposed to know you're different, not by what you tell them, but when they meet you, how you show them. So I ought to know you're circumcised, circumcised, not by what's on your skin, but by the kindness you display strangers, by the generosity that you bestow on those you don't know, by the smile across your face. I've met some people and within five seconds of meeting them, I go, something's different about you. There's a joy about you. There's a lightness about you. That's true holiness. That's true circumcision. That's true separation. I don't need to see the fleshly manifestations of your perceived spirituality. Spirituality is on the inside and displayed. And so it's not that either. Let me tell you what holiness is. Very simply, it's two things. Holiness is number one, to separate from. To separate from. Now, when I say separate from, there are people in the room who automatically fill in the blank with some type of illegal drug or illicit sexual act. Separate yourself from cocaine. That's what holy is. Separate yourself from prostitution. And yeah, of course, we should separate from the big bad sins. But I think, I don't know. I'm sure there are people in this room who struggle with some of that stuff, so I'm not playing it down. I would just say that the majority of the people in this room, that's not the thing that you're wrestling with today. Maybe, and, yeah, but, but for the majority, maybe not. And so here's the deal. I don't think we're just supposed to separate ourselves from the big bad sins. I think we're also supposed to separate ourselves from the mayonnaise sandwiches. If you're confused, you didn't miss anything. Let me explain. 
My son asked me the other day, he said, dad, is there something you ate when you were a child that you don't like to eat now that you're an adult? And at first it was hard for me to answer because honestly, I love all the things I ate when I was a kid. That's why you love them. Like I can throw down my mom's stuffed shells. I can still throw down my uh, dad's lasagna, my grandma's bacalaito. I can, I can throw down on some of that stuff. I love it. It's good. Delicious. Um, but, the, but I told him, I said, but you know what, son, there is one thing that I don't think I would eat anymore. He said, what? I said, mayonnaise sandwiches. I used to love me some mayonnaise sandwiches. And in case you need the recipe, I got you. Two, not one, two slices of white bread and as much mayonnaise as you desire. Hey, before you judge, raise your hand if you had mayonnaise sandwiches growing up as a kid. Look at you. Some people just broke up right now. Just relationships just ended. Been married 30 years, getting a divorce. I just didn't know you liked mayonnaise sandwiches. It was easy to make. I loved it. You know, I don't like it now. Not because the flavor of mayonnaise has changed. I don't like it now because I've tried things better than mayonnaise sandwiches. I've tried steak. I've tried salmon. I've tried pasta. I've had good food. I have elevated my palate. My palate has gone higher. And the things I used to like, I don't like anymore, not because they're bad, but because I found better. When you're holy, what you're saying is, listen, this might be bad, but even if it's not bad, I found a better way to live. I found a better way to treat people. I found a better way to, I put it like this, they're not bad, they're just basic, those things. They're not bad, they're just basic. You need to have a category for some things in your life. Maybe they're not bad, but they're just basic. So I'm not gonna waste my life and energy on things that are not, when there's better, when there's better. First Peter 1, 13 through 17. You didn't know any better then, but you do now. As obedient children, let yourselves be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life. He's saying, come out the crowd. Don't follow everybody. A life energetic and blazing with what? With what? With holiness. For God said, I am holy, so you be? You call out to God for help and he helps. He's a good father that way, but don't forget, he's also a responsible father and won't let you get by with eating mayonnaise sandwiches. <laughs> you know, when I was younger, you know, there were certain levels of entertainment that were funny to me that are no longer funny to me because I'm older now. My kids, if you want to make my kids laugh, all you got to do is end the joke with the word fart. <laughs> Justin Zane, blah, 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 the fart. <laughs> and I used to laugh too. When I was a kid, fart was a funny word to me. You want to hear a joke? <laughs> what do you call a bad smell one mile away? A fart. <laughs> It's inappropriate. Not from the pulpit, JJ. You know better. Be holy. <laughs> they would just laugh. They would just laugh. But if you were to just end the sentence with the word fart, now for me, by the way, this is the most I've ever said that word in a sermon. So <laughs> I wouldn't laugh because I've matured. I've matured, right? It's got to be at a higher level to get me. Some adults, we need to elevate because our, our, our entertainment is at a basic level. And it's like, this might not be as good as we think it is when you find, I, I took Liz to the movies on our second date. It was our second or third date. Took her to the movies. I don't, I don't remember the name of the movie, but I remember the actor who started it. His name was Clive Owens. 
and he broke through the door in the opening scene and he had a machine gun and he just, and it was like a machine gun bazooka. He just plowed down like 20 people. And he started cussing and just blowing people up. And I'll be honest, I thought the movie was awesome. I was like, this is gonna be a great movie. These first five minutes are action packed. I'm sitting there all, you know, strapped in. Liz is sitting next to me. As she begins to just plow down people, she just goes, I'm looking over her, she goes, yeah, sorry, I can't be here. And she gets up in the middle of the date. I need you to imagine the awkwardness. She gets out her row. And she walks, and, and this is me. And the first thing that came to my mind was, I paid for these tickets. <laughs> and then the second thing was like, okay, I guess I'm leaving too. <laughs> I got up, I left. I said, what was wrong? She goes, no, the thing is that I, I, I gave my life back to Christ about a year ago, two years ago. And, and ever since I gave my life back to Christ, there are just some things I can't watch anymore. There are just some things I can't see anymore because of the way it affects me, my mind, and my heart. I was thinking on a much more basic level. I was thinking sin. As a Christian, measuring things as sin or not sin is the most basic level. Watching a rated R movie is not sin. So I'm like, I'm not sinning by watching this movie. She was on another level. Paul said, it's not about whether it's permissible, it's about whether it's beneficial. So it's not that it's wrong or right, it's that I don't like where this takes me. I don't like what this child has shapes my mind. I don't like how this shapes my heart. So I'm going to stop watching certain things. I'm going to stop listening to certain songs. I'm going to stop going to certain places. I'm going to have even to end some friendships because I don't like the way those people, places, or things affect my heart, my mind, and my soul. I need a shift. I'm going to separate. I'm going to separate from it. What in your life do you need to separate from that is affecting you and is bringing you back to the crowd? Chances are, most people do it. Whatever the thing is you're wrestling with, chances are, it's a crowd thing. God is calling you from the crowd to the cloud to separate from. Here's the second definition of holiness, and we'll hit this one quick. Not to separate from only, but this one, I love this one, but to be set apart for. Wow, that's good. Not just to separate from, but to be set apart for. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. 16 and 17, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be what? For without what? No one will go into the cloud. No one will see the Lord. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. And afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. If you don't know the story of Esau, I'm going to summarize it for you very quickly. Esau was the one of two brothers. There was Esau and there was Jacob. Now, Jacob is a significant character in the Bible. His name is the fourth most spoken name in all the Bible. If you combine it with the name that his name was changed to, Israel, there's no name in the Bible written more. He got that blessing, not because God gave it to him. He got that blessing to be the most spoken about person in the Bible because Esau sold it to him. Esau came in from running around outside, all hungry and tired. He said, Jacob, I'm hungry. Give me some soup. He saw that, that Jacob had made lentil soup, which was, apparently was his favorite. 
And he said, and Jacob said, if I give you this soup, sell me your birthright. Esau had no idea what that meant at the time. And he said, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Just give me the soup. He sold him his birthright. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Every time in your Bible, you see the name Jacob or Israel, it should have said Esau. But he made that trade. He didn't understand. God wasn't trying to starve him. He was trying to preserve him because there was a calling on Esau's life that he forfeited because of a bad decision. Tell me if you grew up in the house that I grew up in. Go ahead and put it on the screen. I grew up in a house that had one of these. Did you grow up in that house? Raise your hand if you grew up in that house. It was a thing back then, right? The fine china, it was called the china cabinet. And uh, never, man, my mom had two of these next to each other. Not just one, two. Those, those poor dishes. I say poor dishes because I also grew up during Beauty and the Beast. So in my mind, these dishes have, they have life. I thought about these poor dishes and these pots and these cups thinking, nobody's going to ever play with you. Or... And I felt so bad. These dishes never came out. They only came out twice a year. Thanksgiving and Christmas. And after Christmas, locked away for the rest of the year. I remember looking at these dishes, feeling bad for them. <laughs> looking at my, and my perspective as a child, because there's a different perspective when you're the child than when you're the adult. My perspective as the child was, look at what we're keeping them from. Look at what we're keeping them from. Look at what we're keeping them from. We're keeping them from being used every day. We're keeping them from you know, living their best life. We're keeping them from fulfilling their purpose. We're keeping them from. But if you had asked my mom and dad, they would have never described it that way. They would have never said, we're keeping them from. They would have said, we're saving them for. There are things in your life when you read the Bible, you go, that's not cool, God. What are you keeping me from? The crowd is doing it. Everyone else is doing it. I don't understand. It's not even a sin. It's not even wrong. You're keeping me from. And God replies to you, you would say that because you have the mind. But from my perspective, please hear the words of the Father. I'm not keeping you from. I'm saving you for. Because you're not like every other dish in the cabinet. You're not like every other cup in the pantry. You were created with a special purpose in mind. You were created with a unique design. You have a special purpose on this earth. If you're single and you're not married, don't look at sex as something God is keeping you from. It's the, it's the marriage that he's saving you for so that you don't bring into that wounds and scars and comparisons and memories and, and the weight. If you're, if you're a teenager who grew up in church, it's so easy to look at everyone else living their best life, hitting up the clubs and doing whatever they're doing and go, man, I remember growing up in church thinking, I wish I didn't grow up in church. I wish I didn't grow up having to feel bad about sin. <laughs> you know, like I'm pretty sure they do it. No one even told them. <laughs> Guilt-free. It's not the fun young person he's keeping you from. It's the ministry he's preparing you for. Wow, that's so good. He's trying to save you for a unique purpose. If you've got substance abuse issues or drug issues, it, it's not the substance he's keeping you from. It's the recovery small group that he wants you to lead, the one that he's been saving you for. 
when I look at pornography in my life and what it's been in for my life, if you're new to the church, I'm very open about a struggle I, I had in marriage. And I'll tell you, I'll be honest, people ask me, um, does it ever get easy? And I go, no, you never stop fighting. You just stop losing. And when I get that, I got like the simplest illustration. Can I give you the simple? I know it's not a treadmill. It's not an oven. And all these other stuff I've been bringing on stage. But if you let it, this illustration will change your life. You'll never see it the same way again. Esau traded his whole legacy for lentil soup. You know what lentils are? Beans. He traded his whole legacy for a can of beans. And so every time I feel like God's calling me to holiness, and I, and I, but I get that temptation. Come on, it's just one website. Nobody will ever know. I know God will know. Because holiness is not something you confront. For a little bit, you can. But it always comes out in the end. And then I think about this church, and I think about the trade. And when I look at pornography, I don't see pornography anymore. You know what I see? A can of beans. It might be good. It might be delicious. It might be the best can of beans on all the planet, but it's still a can of beans. Would I trade all this for a can of beans? And you think, well, that's easy for you to say you're the pastor of a big church. That's because you don't know what you were created for yet. But if I were to compare your destiny to your temptation, your destiny to whatever it is you're leaving behind. I came with a message from heaven to tell you today. It is just a can of beans. Don't let him pull you off the path. He might be handsome, but he's just a can of beans. Don't let her pull you off the path. She might be fly, but she's just a can of beans. Don't let that job derail you from you know what God's called you to do. It's just a can of beans. That paycheck is just a can of beans compared to what he has for you. So yeah. I'm calling you higher. And yeah, that means you're going to have to leave some things behind. But the thing you leave behind to the th compared to the thing you're headed towards. It's can of beans. Don't make that trade. Come higher. Come up higher. There's more for you. Every head by every eye closed in this room. You're in this room today and you're looking to go higher. Life for you, you don't have a relationship with God. A life for you is empty and vain and broken and hurt. And you're looking to go to the next level. Let me encourage you today. You can do that by taking a step away from the crowd. And here's how we're going to do that today. If you're in this room, when I count to three, if you're ready to start a relationship with Jesus, you're going to raise your hand. And your hand is going to be one hand in the crowd. But it's a hand I'm symbolizing. I'm getting out of here. I'm going forward. I'm moving forward. That's you when I say three, if you're ready to start a relationship with Jesus, I'm specifically speaking to those who came to church today far from God, far from God. If that's you and you want to come home to God, when I say three, shoot your right hand high. I'm ready to step away from the crowd all over this room. One, two, three, right now, all over this building. Raise your hand high. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand in the middle. I see your hand in the back. Amen. Thank you for your boldness. Go ahead and put your hand down. Whether you raise your hand or not, I want everybody in this building to repeat after me this prayer. Everyone, Father God, I hear you calling. And today, I step away from the crowd and into the cloud. I make holiness my pursuit. Jesus, forgive me for my past. I decide today to follow you. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Help me welcome all, all those who made a decision to follow Jesus today. We hope you've enjoyed this message. And we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. 
please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.